All right, welcome to Roll Em If You Got Em. I'm Dakota. And I'm Carl. And today we are going to be talking about the Stark Lannister starter set and then what you can add to it to uh, take it to the next level. The, the premise of this one is, hey, you got a buddy, you guys want to split the starter set, and you want to spend 50 bucks on top of that. So now you're each in it at like $100, and what kind of armies can you build, and what kind of things can you look to do, and, you know, could you be competitive for a hundred bucks, which I think is possible in this game, especially much more than other games, but yeah, yes, it's definitely possible um, to start out. So I took the Starks and then Carl took the Lannisters. These are kind of the factions that we've been playing. So we have some background on them. Um, and the one thing that we did say uh, to go into it is one of the first boxes you'd buy would be the hero one box. It's a pretty good value for the Starks. I know it gives you a total of six commanders, multiple attachments, and it can really change it up. Especially for Lannister, I know like everything you're going to get in the Heroes 1 box, which has been out for, what, a year and a half now, mm -hmm. it's still relevant today. You're going to get Pycelle, who is almost an auto-include for Lannister players. You're going to get the Tyrion commander option who is great competitively. You get the High Sparrow, Tywin. You get Sandor Clegane, who brings the cut them down keyword with with the recent updates, arguably became one of the best abilities to have in the game. I mm. mean, you know, the D3 plus three wounds is, it's huge. And it synergizes very, very well with Lannisters. Yeah, absolutely. And for Starks in, in their collection, in their Heroes 1, um, they're probably getting one of their top-tier commanders in Eddard. His cards play really good with all the units. They play really good with a lot of attachments. You're also getting uh, Tully the Blackfish. He's a pretty good commander. You have to bring a lot of Tully units, though, but he does add some flexibility in a different almost style of defensive gameplay that doesn't always play to the Starks, but it's definitely a change-up in a competitive list. And then you're probably getting their best one of their best ncus also in roderick um cassell uh he's just able to grant that critical blow whenever you need it to whatever units because the base units for the starks obviously we know that they have the storm swords they have critical blow built in but a lot of their more elite units don't unless they're down to last rank or something like that so it's just one of the ways to get it to them to get more hits out there and that, that critical blow costs you on them also you take that d3 wounds which yeah Depending on the army you're going up against, you're like, well, maybe I don't want to begin mm -hmm. combat with only nine wounds left, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Maybe, maybe I think I'm going to need those three guys. So the after the Heroes 1 box, we both decided to add the long-ranged option for each of our respective factions. Uh, for Lannister, it was a tough choice between the Knights of Casterly Rock and the Lannister Crossbowmen. I went with the Crossbowmen because I feel like there's kind of a lot of pros to having a long-range unit, especially when you're learning the game. It helps you, you know, maybe turtle up a little bit, play a little safer. Whereas with Calvary, you can overextend yourself pretty easily because you're like, ooh, look at all this great movement I get. And now I have three units on me, and this was a waste of my eight points. Yeah, and then going to the Starks, I also went with the I went with their bowmen for their long range option. They have I didn't want to go with the Cavaliers because you already have a a, a, caval, a cavalry unit in the Outriders, and then I would have picked Great Axes, but one of the issues with them right now is they're just not available. So unless you can get your hands on one, you know it's not 
not a great option to even try to bring it. Um, you can play it if you want to proxy it in, but if you want to go to a tournament, you're not able to do that. But yeah, and then the same reasons go with the Bowman. They're able to sit back on objectives, and then you can take the combat units you do have and really push them forward even more than you're already going to. One of the advantages in Game of Thrones would be that, especially with with newer players, which is kind of who this one's directed towards, mm-hmm. learning how to place your objective tokens so that you can have a unit be on a token yet still be useful in other facets of the game is very important. And having a long-range unit gives you the ability to put a token kind of you know, eight inches or so behind where you think the fighting's going to happen so that you can have the objective, get the benefit from the token, score the points from mm-hmm. the token, and still have a unit who can play. You know, there's I played with a new player yesterday. It was his second and third games. We played one maybe two months ago. And the one game, he kind of set a token off to the side, and he had Berserkers with Brawn in them a nine-point unit, and they didn't do anything until round six. Round six, I finally ran a unit over there to fight with them. Kind of just, I, you know, just wanted to help them out. Be like, well, I'm at least going to show them what his unit can do. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, the same thing, too. Um, I know I usually run a lot of heavy infantry, and sometimes you get caught in that weird spot where you're back off the front line and you don't want to push up to get engaged in the front. Uh, and you know it's more it's more beneficial to the game mode to sit back on that token, mm-hmm. and the bowmen just give you that where you can shoot in the Stark bowmen really nice too because they're able to you know also sit back on that objective, um, shoot to the front lines to support those front units. There's uh, like Carl just said so many times you'll get an, a unit on a back objective and you want to move them forward, but it just doesn't help by doing so. The Bowman, they're really given the benefits because if the defender fails a panic test, they're going to become weakened. And then if they do have an attachment on them, they're going to not be able to trigger their orders until the end of the round. So if you can get a free attack with these guys, fail that panic test, you just shut off off an attachment um, from doing orders for an entire round or the unit's orders for the entire round. So it's just a really good buff to them. Yeah, yeah, that's that's orders on the unit or on the attachment. Yep, it's they just, they lose it. Yep. Cannot trigger their orders until the end of the round. And most of the time, I think a weakened token is probably the best one to give. Yep, absolutely. Weakens, weaken and panic are the probably two best tokens. Mm-hmm. Always depends on obviously situation. Yeah, situationally, but yeah. For the most part, a yep. weakened token just yep. it's a nice little security blanket. Mm-hmm. If you look at Clash of Kings, they can respawn this round if you respawn in your long-range deployment zone and there's an enemy sitting on one of those tokens you're back in the fight you shift up they're within range and you get to take a shot at them you know i mean that's yeah yeah not much to add there you're just instead of having to activate and move or activate and shift or anything like that you can just deploy them and they're back fighting pretty simple for them to be involved and they're they can be safe i mean they can obviously get vulnerable if you have if you get um, deployment in your flank but if you're contesting pretty well or doing what you need to do they're going to be safe in the back line right right kind of same thing for dance of dragons you're a little extra safe because if a unit picks up mm-hmm. a token their movements reduce to two so unless you're within eight eight inches your long range unit is kind of safe at least from them mm-hmm. 
And if you wait for that unit to activate, let's say you have your opponent out activated on the table, you wait for that unit to activate and then you shoot at them. Hopefully they drop that token by failing their panic test. And then you just saved yourself, well, saved your opponent from scoring a victory point that round. Yep. And uh, gaining the benefits of that token. Maybe they have the shut off NCU. You can get your one of your NCUs back into the game for a turn or whatever until mm -hmm. they can pick that token back up, whatever it may be. Yeah, that game mode definitely has the really valuable objectives of where you're going to want to fight over that turn off the NCU. So getting your opponent to be able to drop it is key so and that you can take it. Feast for Crows also has fail the panic test, drop the token, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yes, it does. So, um, it's a little different just because that token's not going to be able to move with you. You're going to kind of be standing still fighting for it, but it's the same concept. Mm -hmm. And then Fire and Blood, you since your range unit is usually going to be behind the lines, hanging out, you can perhaps put your commander in there because your commander gets to give out a VP each time they activate. You can put your commander in there. That way you can increase the odds of you getting to place all the VP that the game is going on. Mm -hmm. Whereas if your commander dies in round one, now you might be looking at losing out on five free VP that game. Yeah, absolutely. I know for the Bowman, obviously this is one of the the weaker game modes for any long range unit, just because your opponent's going to look to mark your weakest attack unit. The long range units don't get their rerolls, but luckily for the Starks, if you bring a uh, Roger Cassell commander. Um, with his marked target, you can always use expose opening. So whenever you're targeting vulnerable enemies, you can reroll misses. So you can really with the bowman just kind of yep. build in their rerolls. That's so good. That's yeah, that is that's really good. That's so much better uh, than what the old bowmen were. Which by the yeah. way, if you if you buy bowmen, you're gonna have the wrong card in them. Yeah, the card will be wrong. Use the War Council app um, or a Song of Ice and Fire Builder and look at the correct card. Um, because it is better. And I just found out yesterday, if you go to the wiki, you can scroll down and there's a PDF with all the new cards. You can print them babies off and there you go. That does it for the main game modes. I mean, there's also uh, Dark Wings, Dark Words, and Winds of Winter. Those ones are more based off of the cards, so they can be effective and, you know, maybe doing something passive, but that one's, those ones are pretty variable off of, off of those uh, mission cards. So you're not really sure, you know, what you're going to be tackling in that game. Right, right. We each went as far as making kind of a sample list of what you would get out of your starter set, your Heroes Box 1, and your extra unit. Um, mm -hmm. My list, I went with I went with the Tywin Commander. I feel that the Mountain is potentially the best commander for a Lannister player to learn on. Mm -hmm. Because yep. it's basically like, hey... Go kill things. Here's some cards to help you go kill things. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. But I wanted to highlight that that's not primarily how the rest of the Lannister cards play. And there's a lot more control that they like to have over the tactic zone. And then, you know, your opponent wants to do something and you're like, mm, no, we're, we're not going to do that right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I went with a Tywin commander since he gives out a weakened token. When he activates and rolls with Lannister Supremacy, I wanted to put him in a unit with decent morale. He went in the Halvadiers. I went with uh, the Mountains Men with Tywin's Mad Dog in them because that's just a nine-point missile that has to be dealt with. Mm -hmm. And 
the first time you play your Stark Lannister game and you're running Tywin's Mad Dog and Mountain's Men, your opponent's going to be wanting to look up the cards on the wiki to make sure that everything's up to date. <laughs> right. That seems OP. But then again, he might have Great John and Berserkers, and those guys are brutal also. Uh, yeah. The one thing I wanted to highlight, I have Sandor Clegane in a unit of Lannister Guardsmen. Not basically for any offensive output, but to trigger their Lannister supremacy and then his cut them down. Um, when a defender, when an enemy engaged with this unit fails a panic test, they suffer two additional wounds. And then, so you could attempt to trigger that when they attack. You could attempt to trigger that when you get attacked and hopefully pass your panic test. And then if you use these crossbowmen and shoot at the unit engaged with them, you could force them to take an additional panic test, which would hopefully activate cut them down again you get Cersei Lannister in there on that unit and you know it's hard for anyone like nobody likes a panic test at minus two no nobody even the best panic units in the game don't like a panic test at minus two yeah absolutely and then with the new panic rules where it's a d3 plus one wounds not just what you fail by it really amplifies that because then if you do fail it you could still take four wounds and then you will be taking four Oh yeah, you will be taking four with him engaged. Yeah. Um, so you're taking four, four to six, six wounds. Four to six wounds, which really right. can hurt some units. Right. I mean, with three opportunities, basically, mm-hmm. if you fail all three panic tests, then that that unit's gone. That's that's twelve mm-hmm. wounds. Yep. Yeah. Um, including, obviously, you'll have to do at least one wound on the attack with the guardsmen, mm-hmm. and one wound on the attack with the uh, crossbowmen. Yep. So now you're you don't even I mean that's that's just bad yeah. news. Yep. If you throw a Cersei Crown Zap in there to start the round off, like yeah, you're just that's four to six wounds. Like, yep, you're just stacking it up at that point. Yeah. All right. So to go into my list of these Starks on with forty points, um, I brought a Rob Stark, the Wolf Lord Commander. Um, one of the better commanders. His cards are pretty easy to trigger. They're gonna let you do a lot of. Moves. And stuff and his commander works off him um he's in a unit of um, stark sworn swords um since i'm bringing him you get a free gra- free gray win um and then i brought sworn swords with the blackfish two point attachments um when this unit starts engaged they're plus one to hit plus two dice and then there is umber berserkers with an umber champion stark outriders and stark bowmen um, with the NCUs of Sansa and Roderick. Really, this one, kind of just a good generalist. I was was kind of thinking about Game of Thrones when putting it together, because that's kind of the game mode that everybody um, gravitates to. You're really able to actually get four units up fighting with Rob Sworn Swords, um, the Tully Sworn Swords, um, Berserkers, and then your Outriders, because then you can sit those Bowmen back, and you can sit Grey One back on those rear objectives and claim them, and then still push up a lot of units to fight when your opponent might have to sit a couple extra units back to defend. Not uh, a lot of crazy synergies going on. You'll be able to obviously get a lot of charges with the start cards. Um, you'll be able to use Rob to disorderly charge, and really just you're going to put be able to put out a lot of damage on your opponent. The worst to hit. In they're all every actually every unit in the three plus to hit on the sword and swords. Obviously, you have to use that Stark Fury for the little bit of negative, but it's always worth it, in my opinion. Um, so it's generally just an all around solid list. I uh, I like Stark Fury mm-hmm. full or when I'm empty. Yeah, if I'm yeah. in the middle, I'm not. I, it's like, eh, like if I have if I have 
10 or less, depending on the unit you're tied up with. If you're tied up with Lannister Guardsmen, hey, go ahead and use it. They're not yeah. going to hit you back that hard. Right. If you're yeah. tied up against uh, the Mountain and Mountain's Men, you might want to keep those couple of wounds in your pocket. Yeah. I, the thing for me is I always think uh, I always like to use it, but it is also always situational because if you're at that middle rank and you're charging, I'm probably going to use it just to get that extra plus one, maybe get a couple more critical blows. Yeah, I'm going to take D3, but if I can take three wounds to maybe wipe out your unit, I'll do right. it. That's um, what I was going to say. It because, depends on because, the health of the target. Yeah, yeah it just, it's really variable because a lot of people do say they don't use it in the middle ranks, but if you just use it on the middle ranks, you can get to that last rank. And then you don't have to take any more wounds. Yeah, you might get attacked and died, but you know it's a risk that you're going to have to be able to identify in the middle of a game and make a decision. And then, really, too, even if you don't, if you're at full ranks, you don't even have to. Do Obviously, there's no hard answer to that. Just, yeah, no, it's it's always tactical. You basically just have to said, look at your situation. And if your opponent's in four wounds and they've mm -hmm. activated. Hey, I'll, I'll go down to yep. my last two or three wounds. I don't care. I'm trying to get them guys off the table. Yep, yep, absolutely. They're at nine and they haven't activated. Eh, I'm probably not going to go down to potentially three wounds when I could go in at six and maybe weather that storm. So Yeah, yeah, they have a good, the Sworn Swords, they have a good enough save to be able to stay alive, potentially. Right. Um, so let's talk about the, the most important part. The money, like mm -hmm. how much does it cost to put this on the table? Um, at the time of this recording, the Stark Lannister combo is, let me start with this. You should always try to spend money at your local game store. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a little bit more expensive, but you're not, you're, you're paying a little more for a reason. One, mm -hmm. you have somewhere to go play they're going to do events and tournaments and all the things that make the game great versus just playing in your buddy's basement. The reason we, at least me, like I, I want to go play against other people that I don't know. Yep. I don't know what list they're bringing. I don't know their play style and I want to see what happens. You know, I, that's, that's why you pay a little more at the game store. Now, some game stores go a little crazy. I know, I think they suggested, Retail rate for the Stark Lannister combo is one hundred and fifty dollars. I went to a game store a while back; they had it for one hundred and eighty-five dollars. I'm 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 simply not gonna support that. Like, well, you can go on eBay right now. So this one's a uh, seventy-nine dollars plus twelve dollars shipping. It's seventy-nine or best offer. So I'm gonna mm -hmm. start with offering this guy like sixty bucks. And you know, wherever we meet, we meet. If you go to Amazon. I had it pulled up here a minute ago. It's a uh, ninety-seven dollars, you know. So yeah, definitely. We, we and this on the shelf for one hundred eighty-five. If I can get it for a hundred on Amazon, sorry, I, I I don't have that kind of money. I'm gonna go to Amazon and buy it now. If you put it on the shelf for one hundred and fifteen, I would like to think that people, most people, look at it and be like, "Hey, for seventeen dollars, I'm supporting mm -hmm. a store, you know, a, a small business in my community or." Maybe, you know, you have a little bit of a drive, but that's that's your store, you know, that's mm -hmm. so. Anyhow, yeah, def though. yeah, it definitely gives you a good place to play and it gives you some rapport there that the right. um, store owner knows you're going to be coming in and playing and, mm -hmm. you know, supporting them also. Right. Um, yeah. And with the, the the more people you have to play against, the more opportunities you get to play the game, which is why mm -hmm. we're all here. 
Yep, Dark Lannister set is probably straight up the best value that you're going to get just because of you're getting two armies um, that you can right out the box make about 35-point armies with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, uh, if you run the the Jamie Commander so that you can run the three-point Clegane attachment, there's 36 points on the Lannister mm-hmm. side. And then I think you did it with... Which yeah, Rob you, and Great John are both three points. So that's yeah, if you changeable, right? Yeah, if you yeah, if you do it with either um, Rob Stark or Great John Umber as your commander, you're gonna be able to get a 35 point army. The one thing that um, the Starks can't do is there's no attachment for the Outriders in the starter box, so you're not able to get one of those extra uh, either Umber champions or Sworn Sword captains onto a unit. So you're only at 35. Right. So, so I mean, you're looking at 70 plus points. Mm-hmm for less than a hundred bucks, which that was another reason that like, this is my first war game. The reason I never got into another game war game before, besides the point that I felt I could never afford it. I didn't, I, I knew that to really get into it, it was going to cost me three, some odd hundred dollars to field an army. Mm-hmm. And I knew I would not be happy with the first army I put out there. Mm-hmm. Yep. No matter what I would play it and be like, man, I wish I was playing this other faction. Mm-hmm. If you buy the Stark Lannister combo yourself, hey, you get that option. You can mm-hmm. be like, you know what? Let me try this other faction out. I know when we started, the first time we sat down and played game, the first couple of times I played Starks, Dakota played Lannister, and then once we switched, it was like, ah, uh, this is where I belong. Like, yes. I was like the 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 hyper aggressive run around and try to it just it wasn't I like the tactics boards and the cards and kind of being a jerk about things a little <laughs> bit more and i was like oh lannister yep this is where i belong hello cersei yeah yeah same thing i played the lannisters the first few games we played and obviously they felt good just because their cards are really good and um but then when i switched to starks it really played well because i'm pretty sure my most used term when playing a game is like all right well we're gonna try this now when i'm doing like a 13 inch charge um probably my most used term and but with starks i can actually make some charges um which feels really good i never realize how often you do say that (laughs) oh yeah i I say this now yeah i usually say it about once a game and that's that's kind of the mentality with the starks is like yep i'm just gonna give this a whirl and if it works it's gonna hurt you and it's gonna be really good for me yeah Um, hey i I, you know you maybe should try free folk sometime (laughs) that whole army is well i'm gonna try this now (laughs) yeah very good that that is that's a different episode. Right that is there. a completely different episode on a completely different animal. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. Um, on today we just took a quick look at the Stark versus Landers starter set, and then um, what you can do to really take them up to that next step by adding some hero boxes, um, and a long range unit. In the next episode, we will be breaking down the rest of the starter boxes. So, nice watch, free folk, Brathians, and Targaryens. Um, we will not be breaking down neutrals quite yet just because there's no starter box and we're going to give everyone a good idea kind of of what each starter box tries to accomplish as for that faction and kind of the way they want to play and then we're gonna kind of set it up as let's say we had six players of equal skill sit down they, let's say they have a tournament all they have is starter boxes. Who's going to come out on top? Like, what starter box would be king of the hill? 
not saying that that's the best faction because there's heroes and add-ons and all that stuff, but if you were to sit down with just the starter box, who wins? So we're hoping to drop episodes every Monday, and until next time, see you guys later.